You're listening to Door and Window Discussions, the official podcast of Door and Window Market Magazine, where each month we open new insights into the industry's latest news and host discussions with some of its most interesting people. DWM is the only business-to-business publication that's devoted exclusively to coverage of the full door and window industries, with a circulation that's audited by BPA Worldwide. And now, let's talk doors and windows. Thanks, Chris. I'm Drew Vass, editor of DWM Magazine, and I'm here with my co-host, Tara Taffara, DWM's publisher and editorial director. Thanks, Drew, and welcome to the podcast, everyone. It's nice to be back together with you, Drew. I think it's been a few months since we hosted together. It has been a while, and it is nice to be back. Today's episode is what you might describe as basically just a check-in. It's just us, no guests, and we'd like to talk about several topics, including how things are going in general. Um, Such an interesting year, right? And it seems like a good time for checking in. Definitely. And you can say that again about 2020. Um, And I can't believe we're here in November. But before we get started, um, I want to let our listeners know that this episode is sponsored by Marketplace by Windor. The online event takes place starting November 16th and is open for one full year. Starting in November, you can visit exhibitors in a virtual platform and attend education sessions throughout the year. Register at windorshow.ca. Windor is always a great event, and thanks to them for making this podcast possible. I know you and I look forward to seeing everyone, and this year I guess we'll just be joining them in the virtual format, which is what we've come to do. Yep. Why don't we start with that today, actually, since we're on the topic, and as we approach the end of the year, if you can believe it, we already see other shows going virtual, like the International Builder Show and others. So let's talk about how this environment of online events is going, if that's all right. Yeah, we've we've definitely seen our share of virtual shows this year. I think you and I and probably a lot of people in the industry are kind of getting used to it all. Um, and I think that I've been pleasantly surprised about how well some of the events have delivered. I'm with you. I mean, same here. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and just admit that when I first started covering or attending these virtual events, I was actually a little bit nervous, and especially with the ones that involve trade shows where you would normally go around and talk to people. And of course, now that involves chat functions. And it's all very similar in a way. You know, you're visiting booths and you're trying to engage with people and it seems to be working. But, um, you know, it took me some time to settle in. And once yeah. I did, I've come to be very familiar. It feels familiar and, and just doable, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'm sure everyone is, feels the same as you as well, if, if they've done um, a few, if they have a few under their belt right now. And I thought the same thing as you. And I do think overall it's worked out really well. Uh, each one that I've been in, and I think you would say the same since you and I talk about this, each one had a few technical hiccups, but that's mm-hmm. to be expected You know, as we all figure this out. Um, I think groups are delivering a nice mix of some taped presentations, but also incorporating live panel discussions. So it's been great to still see everyone, so to speak. I kind of just did the air quotes there. Yeah, Um, right. So it kind of still makes you feel connected, even though you aren't there in person. I think we've, the industry as a whole have, uh, has made the best out of this situation that is allowing people to still connect in some way. 
I guess that's the only thing that really feels like it's missing is you're not seeing everyone's faces. You see the presenters and you chat with people, but until there's a, a Zoom function maybe that kind of ties us all together at the shows, we just won't get to see each other's faces um, necessarily. That's the only thing missing for me, exactly. I guess. Exactly. But I will say I'll give kudos to some shows who have done some like round tables, mm-hmm. um, happy hours. Um, that Of course, you don't get everyone that comes to those. It's a small group. Um, but still kind of making the best of the situation and still kind of have that social aspect if you, you know, choose to participate in that. That's true. So Stefan LaBelle, Fenestration Canada's executive director, he made the call early, I guess you could say. He made his decision about going virtual and, and actually came out and said he wanted to get a jump on the process in order to ensure they could put together really the best show possible. And um, so now, of course, it's known as Marketplace by Windor, but they had that time to design for success and it looks like they've done it. Exactly. I can't remember off the top of my head when he made that announcement, but I got to say kudos to them for making that decision early. You know, they saw what was what was going on, you know, all these events going virtual. And so they made that decision early enough. It gave them plenty of time to plan. Um, but believe me, I don't envy anyone in the live event business no. right now. It's just so hard to sit there and look at when your show is and try to figure out, should we keep it live? Do we go virtual? Um, I, I just don't, I don't envy any of them. It's and so hard to just predict. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can't predict what you're going to have to do because it's, sometimes it seems like it's the last moment and it's not, but when it comes to putting shows together, it probably feels like the last minute, even if you're a couple of months ahead because yeah. there's so much to figure out. It's like learning a new language with these virtual events while yeah. doing what you know how to do. So Anyhow, our November-December issue includes a full preview for Windor, or excuse me, for Marketplace by Windor. So be sure to watch for that, and I think it mails pretty much any day now. Yep. And, you know, the other thing I want to talk about um, on this podcast today is, you know, if you follow our e-newsletter, all the financial results that we have been reviewing and um, reporting on and just the general state of the door and window markets – I know mm-hmm. I've been through my uh, fair share of them. And for the most part, there are some challenges, of course, but the news is basically good. It is. I mean, without a doubt, in our interviews and from the info we've gathered over the course of the year, it seems like demand is really great for doors and windows. I mean, and you could say it's booming. And so earlier in the year, all we talked about was sales and how to keep sales going and turning to remote meetings and those sorts of things, that doesn't seem to be the issue these days. I mean, now it's all about how to keep up with demand. And that's, I guess, a good problem to have. But you just do, you do have issues like labor and supply chain and those sorts of things that deal with while meeting orders. Exactly, exactly. And those are showing up in these financial results. Uh, on November 4th, Geldwen released theirs showing that net revenue increased by, it was almost 2%, uh, 1.9% to 1.1 billion. Fortune Brands announced their third quarter results and sales were 1.7 billion. And that was an increase of 13% over the third quarter of 2019. Yeah, that's really something. I mean, 
You can find more details about all of these, by the way, under the industry news section on DWM's website. That's dwmmag.com. And the news wasn't quite as good on the distributor's side for Huttig, which reported that it saw a slight, a slight dip in net sales from $215.7 million in 2019 to $212.7 million in 2020. So, you know, $3 million drop there. But if you look close enough, even in those cases, there's always seems to be a silver lining to these reports. You kind of have to dig in a little bit. But in a lot of cases, companies are just figuring out how to get product and materials, you know, to get the raw materials and to get product where it needs to be in some cases. And it isn't it isn't necessarily about demand is the point. Exactly. And, you know, as I think you just referred to it um, about labor, you know, we saw a sobering message from one of our bloggers last week regarding what's holding some companies back. And that's labor. It was that before COVID, but that has but now COVID has just exacerbated that problem. It definitely has. And I know exactly which ones you're talking about. As companies lose people and have had a hard time hiring more workers to meet demand, you know, we've what we're hearing is that it's become a bit of a catch-22 situation. Exactly. And he said he knows some window manufacturers who are working their people for 12-hour shifts six days a week, and then it's burning them out. So then you have these people who are, you know, working for you, and doing a good job, and then they're getting burned out. So it's just a tough situation. And some of those people are walking off the job, unfortunately. I know. That's what one, one plant manager said. And actually, to quote them, so they said, we are asking them to work long hours because we don't have enough people. However, we are burning them out, so they're leaving. And, I mean, what a, what a horrible situation to deal with for everyone, I mean, really, in a way. Exactly. But, um, yeah, not, and, not great. No. The other thing is indications are that these issues aren't going away, unfortunately. Um, that is good and bad news. It's good because so far indicators suggest that 2021 is going to be another year of high demand. So that's good. That's what we're seeing. So demands for housing and permits are still registering high, that they're strong. New homes are selling the moment they're up. That's what statistics are showing anyways. And in fact, you know, I noticed recently, and we reported on this for the first time ever, I believe starts are on pace with home sales in general. So that just supports the fact that they're selling them as soon as they're up and talk about pressure. I mean, they can't build them fast enough, right? even with, you know, noting, because we always hear about material prices, especially lumber these days, which they estimate adds previously in the you know, earlier in the year, they estimated that that added like 16,000 to the price of a home. But guess what? I mean, even at sales prices that, sh- that register on average higher, they're still selling. So right. that's a good indication, even though they have to tack on those added costs. Mm-hmm. And here, as you know, at our company, uh, Key Media and Research, our parent company, we have um, some of our own research that we can share. Um, and I know, um, I think you're going to talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, you know, we have a major advantage. Our director of research, Nick St. Dennis, he, he's recently been conducting his annual survey. I think he's finished the survey actually. And, um, what he does is he gathers firsthand accounts of what door window companies are experiencing and what they expect for next year. So, we can gather marketing, I mean, market reports and data that tells us 
where housing is, where the, the industry is in general in terms of strength and, and numbers. But what he can gather is more, you know, right now, right here, right now, how are they feeling about next year and what do they see, which it's, it's anecdotal, but it can be so telling, you know, compared to the numbers because the numbers are numbers. They're, they're yeah. just what's happening on paper. And yeah. it looks very promising. Yeah, it does. I was just going to say that. And we even wanted to have him on, but he's so busy crunching all the data that we couldn't fit him in today. Um, But we, so we can't tell you everything about his findings. um, But generally speaking, it looks like, like I said, you can expect another strong year. So we give you a little taste of his findings because he kind of shares with us some of the findings early on. And we included those in the November, December issue, but that's before he really crunches all the data, so to speak. And then uh, the full report will be available for purchase sometime in December, right? Yep. I spoke to him today and he said it'll definitely be available before the end of the year. Um, And if you haven't taken one part of this big report is a survey um, and you can check out the DWM daily e-newsletter and you will find the link there. If you happen to not get the newsletter, um, go to dwmmag.com to sign up. If you can't find it, you know, you can always email one of us. That's true. I think this report is, it's definitely become something that people anticipate and look for. Um, you know, they're, they're definitely watching for it. So keep an eye out and email us if you have any trouble finding it. So let's talk about what for us is truly a bright spot every year, but I would even say, especially this year, just because of the sort of year it's been, it's nice to have some positives in the mix. And that is DWM's Green Awards. Yes. And I know you really love doing these. um, So I'd love to talk about them. This is something that we work on throughout the year, gathering research notes, you know, as we see things, um, ideas for companies and individuals who might be worthy of recognition. So you're really the workhorse here, Drew. So how did that go this year? Well, thank you for saying that. I do enjoy it. So it went really well. I mean, it, it always does. We always have a lot of things to take into consideration, a lot of, um, nominations and things that we dig up and it's always inspiring but such a nice break from other topics now right so there's what we do is um it's a great challenge because we end up with so much we have to really look at and figure out a way to evaluate these things and it would be great if we could just award everyone or recognize everyone in some way shape or form who makes an effort to save the environment. And there are a lot of them in this industry, a lot of people, companies, and products that, you know, do so through their attributes. But honestly, I think it would take an entire magazine to do that because there are that many. Yeah. There's a lot of people, a lot of companies, you're right, that deserve some level of recognition. Uh, So I know you don't want to say too much until the November, December issue mails uh, about the awards, Mm -hmm. but about just one or two bright spots? Can you tease us with a little bit? I would love to. So the, the one award uh, or story, I guess you would say, since we, you know, we present these in story format, the, the one that stands out to me this year is what we lead with. And that's one that's about an individual. And that's, you know, one reason it stands out. And I think oftentimes we think of someone getting an award like this, especially in, in an individual as opposed to say a company, we think of CEOs and we think of leaders who are tasked with high level goals and projects. Um, But this year we found someone who is really involved in the day-to-day 
and has her hands involved in making a difference, a shipping manager. And that's, I'll leave it at that. But um, I don't want to give it all away at this point. But let's just say that we were really moved not only by how hard this person works to make a difference in every little way possible, but the fact that she does it all on her own initiative. And you will know what I mean when you read um, the story, the bio, essentially, of what she does and how she does it. But it wasn't even part of her job, as you know. I mean, she just yeah. she has worked tirelessly to reuse and recycle absolute everything, absolutely everything. And that's just of her own initiative. Yeah, it really is such a great example. And she's inspired those around her to do the same, right? She has. I mean, people she works with, now they are reusing and recycling and and even bring their personal recycling into work in cases where they don't have that available at their homes. And her example has really, you know, it's done what you hope these things will do. It's inspired everyone around her to try and make a difference. And she tells people, you know, start small. Yeah. And, and to just not let, to let go of the past. If you haven't been doing things in the past, forget about it. It's about what you start doing right now and start small. So. Yep. Great advice. And then we have awards that go to entire companies too, right? We do. So while the award we gave to an individual is all about, you know, her personal effort and initiative, we then have awards that go to companies for larger, more collective efforts. And those, of course, take place over years. And we have one that we award for this commitment, um, for its commitment. And I'm telling you, there were stacks and stacks of pages of information dating back for literally decades regarding how the company has worked to focus on the environment and to make a difference and explaining and really kind of illustrating how and why it's dedicated to those things. So, yeah, right. very yeah, impressive. It's all re- yes, that's what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> so everyone, please, you know, let, watch out for the November, December issue so you can read all about all of our winners. Please do, because not only do we want you to, to know about the winners and to find them inspiring, hopefully, as much as we do, but you know, we also want to pay these companies and people the recognition that they deserve for what they have done and continue to do. Definitely. Well, we know it's been brief, but that's about all the time we have today, as this episode was really meant to be a quick check-in, but we wanted to share some good messages that we're finding these days. Indeed. And it has been great to have a chat here on the on the podcast with you again. We've gone yes. from once a day episodes, right? Remember <laughs> when we were doing that? I do remember um, those. When, when COVID-19 began and um, now we're back to our monthly format. And I think that is kind of representative in some ways of, I don't know, there's a holding pattern for better or for worse, right? Yeah, definitely. And um, based on all the info you'll find in our next issue and in January, February, when we present our annual forecast, I think the bottom line is that the industry will remain busy with or without the ongoing pandemic. And and that's good news. It is. And too busy, some might argue, until they can get more workers, of course. But as they say, that's a good problem to have. Yes, definitely. Uh, And before we go, we would once again like to thank our sponsor, Marketplace by Windor. And please remember to go to windorshow.ca to register. The show opens virtually November 16th. And DWM Magazine is proud to serve as the event's official media sponsor. We will see you there. That's right. We'll see you there. In the meantime, take care.